And welcome to the debut episode of Who Died with Pete and Alex. This is your weekly guide to the famous, infamous, and otherwise noteworthy figures who passed away the past week. That's right. I, for one, have taken a little step back from social media of late. And uh, one of the things that I missed out on was uh, kind of the the group notification that you get of uh, when somebody uh, noteworthy passes away. You know, trending topics. You get to, you get to find out, uh, you know... Uh, um, Who's passed on? And I, I don't like being taken by surprise for some reason by those. I hate, you know, getting to the end of the year and being like, oh, man, uh, that person died. Mm-hmm. So uh, we started this show to just talk about it amongst ourselves because it's, uh, it's the kind of thing we like to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, this week's episode covers April 18th through 25th, 2023. And uh, mm-hmm. Pete, I understand you have our first... Um, Nominee? I don't know what the category. Our first honoree. Honoree. There, honoree. there yeah. you go. Yes. Yes. Well, uh, very much so an honoree. Uh, on April 21st of this uh, this past year, uh, Ken Potts passed away. He was 102 years old, and he was one of the last survivors of the Pearl Harbor bombing. Wow. Now, yeah, World War II veteran aboard the USS Arizona, which which is the ship that was the most damaged, I think, when it was attacked. Um, and you know, it's twofold. First of all, well, threefold, let's say first, uh, his birthday was April 15th. He just like basically a week past 102, just like had just had a birthday. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with the, you, you focus on the tragedy, you focus on the deaths, uh, the destruction of that kind of a thing, but you don't usually, at least I don't usually kind of realize, oh, a lot of people survived that and also, lived on and could be alive today yeah you know seeing that listing i was like oh wow all right like survivor of pearl harbor and just died last week yeah the the, um, the, the survivor part doesn't seem that crazy but lasting to 102 the fact that he was still alive yeah. that's that's genuinely shocking yeah and and um you know not only you would think like oh so you survived this crazy bombing okay you can you know Thanks you, thank you for your service. But uh, like he was, um, you know, kept serving until 1945. At the end of the war, they were like, "Okay, now you can go." <laughs> like so, to to do another four years, basically, after yeah, you survived. Uh, um, you know, the the bombing of Pearl Harbor it seems a bit much. But uh, you know, and then you know went about and led a normal life after that. Kind of you know, in in uh, got married um, to in 1957, married a woman who who. He was still married married to when he passed away oh. and uh, worked as an auto salesman. He was just like a car, you know, like mm. imagine you just go to buy a car and the guy was like, oh, yeah, I, I survived the bombing of Pearl Harbor. That's it. That's what an American wild. story. He goes from Pearl yeah. Harbor to automobile salesman. Exactly. Um, and uh, so now it's, uh, you know, Highlander rules. Uh, there's only one remaining USS Arizona survivor. Wow. Uh, Lou Conter, age 101. So he's just behind this guy in oh. terms of... Uh, and I think there might be other survivors around from the other parts of the bombing, but this is, you know, the, the as far as the Arizona goes, there's only one, uh, one lone survivor. So let's keep an eye out for him. Hopefully he uh, lives a, uh, continues to live a long and happy life. Yes, and of course we thank them for their service in our country. I mean, these guys really, you know, 
they're the real yeah. deal. So uh, yeah, that that gets thrown around quite a bit these days. But uh, but this, I can I can get behind this. Yeah. So so uh, farewell to Ken Potts. Ken Potts, age one hundred two. Who did you? Uh, who do you decide to honor here? Who died that made you say, "Hey, that person died. That's notable." Uh, well, it uh, kind of surprised me. Um, Barry Humphreys, aka Edna okay. Everidge, aka oh. Dame Edna. Dame Edna. Yes, Barry Humphreys, Australian comedian, uh, born seventeenth of February, nineteen thirty-four. And uh, he went on to do a lot of uh, movies and plays and things like that. But he's most famous for... So among the movies he was in, he was in Shock Treatment, which was the uh, hmm. sequel to Rocky Horror Picture Show. And, right. Uh, I'm a big fan of unknown or rarely seen sequels to popular movies like 20, 2010, Return to Oz. So I definitely want to track more down More American this. Graffiti. More American Graffiti. More RoboCop. Uh, <laughs> he was also in Spice World. And... Um, yeah. He was in uh, one of his. I'm. He was in The Hobbit. Peter Jackson's The Hobbit. Hmm. He played uh, the Great Goblin. So uh, I'm assuming he was like in a motion capture kind of. Uh, he, he was trying to defeat Spider Man. <laughs> that's the that's the Green Goblin, I believe. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but anyway, but his you, most famous role was undoubtedly Dame Edna, um, the. I guess drag character. I guess it's a it's him and drag. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. So uh, Dame Edna debuted in 1955 on an Australian review called Return Fire, and day first when he when she first debuted, uh, she was kind of a mousy, quiet character. But uh, starting in the 70s, 1972, she was in the movie Barry McKenzie Holds His Own, where she was awarded the title uh, Dame by the okay. mayor of. Um, Melbourne, I think. I don't think mayors mm. were allowed to declare people dames, but um, it's Australia. They yeah, have their own different, uh, different. That's also the other thing. I always assumed that Dame Edna was British, but it turns out she's been Australian mm. this whole time, right under our nose. Maybe the Dame mm. part threw me off. Um, but so in the seventies and eighties, she started getting more edgy and political. Oh, she was also in Sergeant Pepper, the Sergeant Pepper movie. Of course. Another uh, one. So, yeah, starting in the 80s, she started doing a lot more edgy, political-type humor, critiques and things like that. Um, and It'll, it'll uh, be interesting to keep an eye out. I don't think Sgt. Pepper will be it. Maybe it will, though. But it'll be interesting to keep an eye out, uh, you know, when... Um, you know, you and I do another show called Star Wars Minute, and mm-hmm. we'll often we'll, we'll find themes that a lot of the actors from that particular movie were in something else. Mm-hmm. And we'll be like, oh, well, here's another one, you know, and... We've done videos about who were they in Superman, you know, mm-hmm. from the original trilogy. So it'll be interesting to see kind of like if we end up finding themes in this, like the Sgt. Pepper movie, if <laughs> in the next year or so we end up getting a handful of people from, you know, it has to be something where like the people who are in it would just be now in the aging into the category where it's it's not a surprise tragic death. It's just yeah. a merely an unfortunate yeah. passing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's uh, hopefully... Um, we we don't get to hopefully so it's a tricky situation with this show or hopefully yeah. we don't get to talk about too many people that we love but also <laughs> um i'm interested to see where it goes well speaking of things we love uh i guess to me one of dame edna's lasting legacies will be that um she did a tv special which hosted the penultimate appearance of the famous barbershop quartet the b sharps so um, there you go. That's never been released, <laughs> as far as I know, on home video. So hopefully they'll get around to doing that. But uh, mm. Barry Humphreys, aka Dame Edna, 
Hmm. Goodbye, funny man. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I think maybe just because outside of my radar, I would not have been surprised if you had told me that Dame Edna had passed a while ago. Yeah, um, or 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 just you know, it didn't make headlines here. Not she wasn't right. quite. The, she did make a little bit of a impact impact here in the U.S., but I feel like she was bigger right. in in, yeah. uh, in uh, Australia and uh, England. Well, sure, yeah. So, um, who do you have next up on the docket? Well, uh, next up, April nineteenth. Uh, I wanted to mark the passing of Lin Hui. Lin hmm. Hui, uh, uh, only twenty one years old. But uh, 21 years old is not that young for a giant panda. Aww. Lin Hui was born on September 28th, uh, which is also my daughter's birthday, hmm. uh, but 2001 uh, in the China Conservation Research Center for Giant Pandas. Hmm. And then uh, loaned out, sent uh, as a kind of uh, goodwill ambassador, if you will, was sent to uh, the Chiang Mai Zoo in Thailand mm-hmm. uh, in 2003. And... Uh, Instantly became, you know, huge uh, star attraction. I don't know if you remember the baby, the awkward baby polar bear at the German zoo from, mm. from uh, 10 years ago or so. You know, every once in a while we have like a celebrity animal. Celebrity it's bear. Like, oh, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, in L.A., it wasn't in a zoo or anything yeah. in L.A. We had the, the mountain lion not too long ago. You know, we got, we got every once in a while uh, an animal captures our imagination. Yes. And so in, in Thailand, this panda was a huge sensation. Um, she even won a bronze medal for her great personality, panda type, uh, on the votes, uh, uh, doing a fan vote at the website giantpandazoo.com. So that's a that's, very, it's a very competitive category. So that was a real yeah. accomplishment. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, you know, not everybody can, uh, yeah. uh, hope, dream, you know, as far as pandas go, that's pretty much, yeah. you know, that's, that's like a greater than a than yeah. egotting other um, other ra- golden raspberry awards for the pandas like the uh, worst, worst personality personality panda type <laughs> uh, i hope not mm. all pandas are great yeah um and uh um you know in the ironic uh um you know just weeks away from retirement lin hui was scheduled to return to china this year hmm. but uh um did not make it uh, she had a, a nosebleed the other day, and then just kind of they they did some uh, additional studies, and then she just kind of suddenly passed away. Uh, her what could be behind it? I guess it's not that close, but uh, but uh, her mate, her her um, her mate at the zoo, uh, Chuang Chuang, died uh, at the age of nineteen, a younger man, um, in uh, twenty nineteen. Hmm. So four years ago so it's not like the thing where like one dies and then the other one dies right away out of loneliness clearly didn't care uh but uh yeah uh he notable that he he collapsed shortly after standing up following a meal of bamboo leaves so um you know i i can i can relate yeah uh, trying trying <laughs> like had a big meal stood up and it was just too much for him and he he tapped out so Aww. um but uh, lin hui uh, you know, panda. The good news is they were able to breed in captivity, so there are uh, um, pandas that that were sired by that couple who have survived. Wow, I do not have their names written down, but uh, Lin Hui, um, we hardly knew ye. <laughs> um, do you think it's just going to be like in where it's going to be like in a movie where people can watch a hundred humans get killed and not care, but if someone kicks a dog, everyone gets upset? Like, will people be the most upset about the panda? Of all the of all the deaths this week, we don't. Mm, know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty. We got a you know 
Pearl Harbor survivor. We yeah. got a, a uh, you know beloved comedian. We've got a we got a panda, a yeah. cute panda. What what do you have? What's what's next? Well, I do have another beloved figure. He was a mm. singer. He was a political activist, and he was an actor. And his name was Harry Belafonte. Who yeah, uh, late ni- entry to the list? Yes, uh, ninety six years old, uh, born and died in Manhattan. That kind of surprised me. Mm. I would have. He was of uh, Jamaican descent, but I assumed he would be born in the Caribbean. But no, he was born mm. in born in uh, Manhattan. He always thought of himself as an activist first, and then an artist mm. after that. So you know, he was involved in a lot of political causes. Um, he was against apartheid, fought for civil rights, and uh, even up until the. Uh, very, he uh, was very outspoken against the Bush administration, and that got him sure. a lot of that got him a lot of flack. But he's like, I don't care. It's it's mm-hmm. it, this is why I'm here to to do this. If yeah, I, later in you know, I mean, as a kid, you don't mm-hmm. you don't really notice, especially he was in that zone where he was popular before we were kids. Yes, and then because just doing the you know talk show circuit, essentially, he was a, a, a relic of sorts, a curiosity. Um, when we were kids, but then as I got older and really, you know, found out more about him and became much more um, impressed with his, and you know, not only outspoken, not afraid to take the risks, and and uh, for 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 my money, I, I can't think of any time he was on the wrong side of things. He was always standing <laughs> up for the right, the right yes. causes. So yes, um, yes, he did a lot of political things, uh, of course, but he's probably will go down for more. Uh, is his uh, musical career? He was. Uh, mm-hmm. He only started singing because he uh, wanted to pay for his acting classes. So he's like, okay, I'll mm-hmm. do some singing on the side. Uh, his debut on stage, he was backed by Charlie Parker's band, which had Charlie Parker, mm-hmm. Max Roach, and uh, Miles Davis in the band. So it's a pretty good, it's a pretty yeah. good, uh, a pretty good first band to uh, to have. <laughs> um, and then his musical career took off. His uh, first album, Calypso, released in mm. 1956. The first million-selling LP by a single artist. Mm. And it totally, uh, in a way, it's kind of almost like the first world music because it really introduced, or to, to Americans at least, it introduced them to the exotic world of, uh, of Caribbean uh, music. And uh, Right. The, the exotic world of one of the closest uh, <laughs> cultures yeah. geographically to them yeah. in fifties America. That was considered very yeah, uh, no, was totally. considered, considered very exotic. Um, he had a lot of hit songs. The one probably everyone knows is "Deo," the banana boat song. Deo, mm-hmm. you know everyone knows that part. Mm-hmm. Still a staple at sporting stadia around the world. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Jump in the line, right. uh, Jamaica the- farewell. Man smart, women smarter. Beetlejuice uh, uh, caused a little resurgence for him. I feel like, and also uh, the mask. Also, uh, they use that. Uh, oh, the uh, that somebody stop me. I think is uh, is a uh, Harry Belafonte. Oh, really? Right. Uh, anyway, won th- not quite an EGOT, but he did win three Grammys, an Emmy, and a Tony Award. So he's like mm. an EGGT. No O, unfortunately. No Oscar. No Oscar. Mm. Um, maybe posthumously someone can digitize him into a... That would be an interesting landmark when the first digital actor wins, the first posthumous mm. digital actor wins the Academy Award. Oh, boy. So let's not I... open that can of worms right now. <laughs> um, yeah, so I encourage everyone to, if you don't, you aren't familiar with the music of Harry Belafonte, check him out. Very uh, fun. 
I mean, he does a range of musics, but it's Calypso stuff that first put him on the map. Very fun, and, uh, you know, you can't help but be in a good mood while you listen to it. So, mm. spin a disc for old Harry Belafonte. Hmm. And uh, I believe you have our last person of the day, which is a historical event. Historical death. Yeah. In addition to current events, we also kind of want, wanted to mark the uh, anniversary of, of uh, historic passings, mm-hmm. perhaps. Um, and this is the kind of thing that we might also open it up to uh, bring some friends in to talk about uh, people that they want to honor or something like that. You know, and, uh, But uh, always looking at the week that was and see what, uh, you know, historically who passed away years ago. In this case, um, in 1951... April 23rd, 1951, well, we marked the passing of uh, Charles G. Dawes. <sighs> Charles G. Dawes. I'm sorry you had to find out this way, Alex. But uh, Charles G. Dawes is one of the three vice presidents, former vice presidents, who share my birthday. Wow. Um, he was born uh, August 27th, 1865, um, and uh, vice president under, under Coolidge, Calvin Coolidge. Silent Cal. Um, and um, he... Doesn't now? No, uh, he did not win an EGOT, but <laughs> he is the um, he's got a, like a threefold uh, notoriety here because he is one of only two people um, to have a number one pop single, pop hit, and to have to have written a number one pop hit and to win a Nobel Prize. Hmm. So it's. Not quite an EGOT, but it's a different thing. Um, the other is Bob Dylan, who got his Nobel Prize for writing. So yeah. it's kind of the same, yeah. you know. Um, but yes, Dawes is the only, also the only vice president to be credited with a number one pop hit. And uh, Dawes is one of only two people to have a number one pop hit who are also members of the United States Senate or House of Representatives. Can you think of who the other one was? Well, Paul Simon, of course, probably the most the most famous <laughs> example. Um, um, you're, you're so close, in uh, a sense. Sonny Bono? Yes, Sonny Bono. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, in a completely kind of unrelated, it's also a technicality of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, Charles Dawes, he, the Nobel Prize was for his work on the Dawes Plan for World War I reparations. Um, so nice they named it after him. Hmm, yeah. But... Um, in um, 19, let's see, he wrote a, a, um, wrote a song, he always interested in music, wrote a song called Melody in A Major. Didn't even feel like giving it a full name. Just a major. Just wrote an in, instrumental song called Melody in A Major. Hmm. And um, in 1912, it became a fairly well-known song for piano and violin. Oh, so this is even before he was famous. No, this is, uh, uh, yeah, well, that Yes. He was vice president this, in 1922. Right. So, so yes. Is, so he went into office with so, a hit single under his belt. Well, no, he went into, went into office having written a song that was kind of fairly popular making the rounds. Mm-hmm. But, um, and then, it, yes, in, in 1921, uh, there was a popular arrangement of the work. So sheet music, you know, different, different metrics. Yeah. Um, but then in... Uh, Somebody then later took that, you know, made a, made a, um, uh, let's see, in 1951. So this is the same 
He died that year, year right? that he passed away. Hmm. And I don't know if it was before he passed away or maybe as a tribute to him. Yeah, where the song killed um, him. <laughs> somebody, yeah, somebody um, took that, that melody mm-hmm. and um, added lyrics. Um, it was Carl Sigmund added lyrics to Melody in A Major and uh, then transformed the song into It's All in the Game. Hmm. Um, and then uh, Tommy Edwards recorded it, and it was a number one hit on the American Billboard record chart for six weeks in 1958. 58? So posthumous, hmm. after he died, number yeah. one hit. And also into the rock era. Like, 51, yeah, that would well, have been a different, totally different musical style than 1958. I think it was still a little bit of a crooner. So, you know, okay, it was, yeah. not everything was... Uh, yeah. Uh, because then, uh, also, I mean, it, it went on to be a, uh, a pop standard, and it, it's been recorded by Cliff Richard, The Four Tops, Isaac Hayes, Van Morrison, Nat King Cole, Wow, uh, Elton John, Donnie and Marie, huh? Barry Manilow, Merle Haggard. Wow, all these, all these people, and who knows if any of them even realize that they're recording a song written by a former vice president? <laughs> you don't think they were but, staunch supporters, and this was their political, right, yeah. you know? Uh, Wow, I wonder well, if it, any other vice presidents are are going to have song like right now. Does are there vice are there hmm. vice presidential songs out there that we are unaware of that will one day become hits? Let us know. Give us, hmm. let us know in the comments below if you know of any songs <laughs> that uh, say uh, right. You know, did, did Dan Quayle write any songs? <laughs> did he have an album? The Potato Song. Yeah, we uh, have to get uh, Tony Thaxton on the case. See if any any other politicians have recorded albums that, that we can then chart to see if any if they if they have legs as a candidate. Maybe mm-hmm. then we can be on the lookout. Mm. That would be a good candidate for bizarre albums. And mm-hmm. um, well, I guess that will wrap up our first episode. We want to give a parting farewell to all the the honorees this week. And um, if you've enjoyed us, we also host a podcast called Star Wars Minute. Where we analyze, scrutinize, and celebrate the Star Wars movies. You can find that at StarWarsMinute.com or wherever you get podcasts. Uh, Anything else, Pete, before we... uh, we, Yeah, uh, keep an eye out. We're um, testing out the format on this right now. I think this is uh, mainly on YouTube, but if you're listening to this as a podcast, that means it made it into the podcast feed, and we'll... As we move on, we'll continue to plug things like... uh, We will get our social media handles and all that established and tell you how to listen and what to do. But, uh, um, but, uh, thanks. Let us know in the comments below, since this is mainly on YouTube. If you think, if you enjoyed this, if we missed somebody from the last week that you wanted to talk about, et cetera, et cetera. But thanks for listening or watching. Yeah. And hopefully you'll join us uh, on the next episode of, and learn who died. Who died?